Well, good morning to you. Yeah, we pastors, we always have to do that. I keep saying that, but uh, don't know what it is with us. And uh, I see Pastor Caleb's there. He uh, leads our uh, worship and creative arts department. And I was wondering, Caleb, this thing's got kind of a rain look, a water look. Would we be able to change it to bright yellow? You know, so we think there's sunshine. Uh, I heard this morning of a few people that said they've been parking their boats at their front step, like on the tying them there just in case. In fact, I think I saw somebody building an ark this morning. And uh, if, if it's getting to you, it's getting to me. It really is. And uh, I have always joked to my wife that she's part plant because she actually does need a lot of light. And uh, you can imagine what this is doing to her right now. Every morning she gets up and she looks outside and she sits down with a cup of coffee, and then she has another cup of coffee, and then I think sometimes a third cup of coffee. And uh, maybe you're in that way, and I just say to you, let's let the love of Jesus shine on us brightly this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. And we know that we need both the rains and the sunshine. And that really is uh, so symbolic of our lives because we often have beautiful, clear sunshine. But without the rains in our lives, without those, those times when our soul needs nourishment, those times when we need a bit of a course correction, you bring the rains. You redirect us. And so, Father, as we look at your word in the book of Acts, as we see the, uh, some of the leaders in the early church Open up our eyes. Let us see into our own hearts that we would be able to, in a very significant way in the coming months, hear from you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So I'm gonna do a little bit of a, a hands-up poll right now, and uh, you'll understand why I'm doing it in a moment. But uh, how many this morning... Feel the temperature in this room's just right. Okay, look around, pay attention. How many in this room thinks it's too cold in here right now? Well, not too many. How many think it's too hot? I would say it's the menopausal people, but it was a bunch of guys that put up their hands. <laughs> Do guys go through menopause? I'll have to talk to some doctors later. The reason I did that is because I, I want to be blunt and honest. There are so many things that affect our opinions. Sometimes it could be just this morning the clothing you're wearing. You feel hot. Or perhaps you're not wearing enough clothing. The drummer, he had shorts on, and I teased him that he had rubber shoes on. Uh, he was hoping to walk through some mud puddles or something, or maybe he had to walk through some mud puddles. But so many things influence us, our, our past, our soul wounds, uh, some of the things that have gone well with us. So many things influence our opinion. And as the people of God... We can get so divided. I, my honest opinion, I could care less what the temperature is in the church. But some of you, you've left churches because of the temperature. I say all this to you because we so desperately, in order to filter out, in order to actually move in a direction as a church, to, to actually have some unity and some love, you probably know the last prayer Jesus is recorded to have prayed, one of the 
key things he said in that prayer, oh God, let them be one as we are one. Knowing our proclivities, knowing what the uh, influences are in our lives, knowing that we have opinions, how do you think we get there? How do you think we get there? I love the old kids song. It says sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says maybe. We have been in the process of searching for a new junior high pastor. And uh, Pastor Rod and I and uh, Pastor Michael are on the initial search team and then we bring the elders in a little later on. Uh, but I have been so proud of Pastor Michael. Didn't you love how he MCs? I've seen him grow so much. And on the search team, <coughs> we've interviewed, oh, I don't even know now, four or five people. And uh, we always let Pastor Michael start it off of his own. He starts in prayer. I didn't tell him to do that. And I'm going, Whew, what a leader. And then he asks a question about their spiritual journey. I didn't put him up to that. I mean, I gave him some lists of stuff, but he's chosen that. Number two question he asks, of all the candidates that we've interviewed, and I didn't put him up to this. It wasn't even on any of my lists. He asked them, how do you hear from God? How do you hear from God? I want to ask you this morning. How do you hear from God? How do you hear from God? So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, verse 6. And yes, we're skipping the first five verses. And you want to know a little bit about what went on there? Uh, the Apostle Paul circumcises somebody for a certain reason, and uh, you might be asking, well, isn't that legalism? Isn't that going through the ritual? If you look at the text closely, it isn't. Uh, he's being culturally sensitive. He's opening doors for the gospel by doing what he did. But turning to Acts chapter 6, verse 6, we start seeing a real incredible, cool thing that I am convinced keeps the church on track, keeps individuals' opinions in check, and keeps us moving along in the direction God calls us to. Verse six starts off and says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now listen to this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now sometimes, as I was looking at maps, there's areas that literally are provinces, and then there's regions within the provinces, like the Peace River country. And this is a little bit as what they're talking about. But the significant thing here is they were kept by the Holy Spirit, I used to read this stuff and go, how does that work? How did the Holy Spirit stop them from moving forward? How did they know that they should or shouldn't preach in certain areas? I, I know the words in the sentence are directly saying the Holy Spirit stopped them from preaching in a certain region, but however, I love the words in there, the words being kept. 
Years ago, we used to have a saying, and probably applies, uh, speaking of a woman, she is a kept woman. It wasn't always used in a positive term. It was used in a term where a husband is overbearing and controlling. She's a kept woman. But I think it's significant here that these followers of Jesus were kept by the Holy Spirit. You probably know one of the significant things you did at conversion. When you prayed to receive Jesus, you had to admit that you were wrong, that you were a sinner, that you needed to repent, you need to say, God, you're God and I'm not. And that struggle will carry on your whole life, your whole journey, where you're having to make him God and you get off the throne. And part of this letting him be God is letting the Holy Spirit keep you. Being led by his presence and by his words and by his direction. And friends, that will move the church forward. That will push back the gates of hell. That'll bring unity that Jesus prayed for us. If you're actually seeking God and you're seeking his will in your life and you want to move forward, God sometimes will say yes, no, or maybe. So let's read on, moving on to verse seven. And we'll see not only does Jesus sometimes say no to us, sometimes he keeps us from something, sometimes he directs us this way or that way. But sometimes he redirects us. Verse seven, when they came to the border of Mysia, another region, they entered into Bithynia. Now listen to this. But the spirit of Jesus, and if you didn't know, it's just another way of saying Holy Spirit. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. They wanted to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit said no. So then they redirected and they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. How do you suppose they heard the Holy Spirit? How do they suppose they heard the Spirit of Jesus? My guess, the text isn't really clear, my guess is that they were always listening. Pastor Michael's question, how do you hear God? How do you hear God? I hope most of you and all the candidates we've interviewed had an answer. Let's read the next passage and we'll see how God spoke to them in this time it actually says how God did it. During the night, verse nine, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I wanna be really clear to you, I do not claim to be 100% right in hearing the voice of God. I wanna challenge you though, starting September 8th, we're gonna be starting in a series called Hearing God, six weeks. 
And in those six weeks, one of our purposes and goals will be to give you the tools and the understanding, like, how does God speak with visions? What is a vision? Does anybody know what a vision is? Anybody know what a vision is? Yeah, you're supposed to respond back to me. No, I'm kidding. A vision is basically dreaming while you're awake, where you kind of get some images. And, and for me, if I've ever had visions, and I've had a few, I, I'm usually praying, my eyes are closed. Uh, sometimes, and I was telling the staff this week, it's, it's weird. I don't know what it is about me in the shower, but I often get insights and visions and ideas when I'm in there. I don't know why. I don't know, because I'm so relaxed, the hot water's running off me. More rain, sorry, talked about water again. But even this morning as I was in the shower, God gave me stuff. Last Sunday was crazy. I, I couldn't wait to get out of my shower so I could get to my phone and write down the stuff God had said to me. And as we go through the Hearing God series, you'll, you'll find there's one lesson specifically on how do you test what God says. But I want to be super clear here this morning. All the next comments I make, I want to be super clear. The primary way God speaks to you is through his word. The primary way God speaks to you through his word. In fact, if you're getting visions, in fact, if you're hearing visions, in fact, if you're getting thoughts and ideas, if you are not in the word, you are in horrible, horrible, horrible danger. If you are not reading the word regularly, you could be in horrible trouble. Many of us, over our lives, when we came to Christ, we had a habit or we've worked at hearing who God is. We've worked at hearing his voice and direction, especially when we're young. And then for many of us, we thought we heard the voice of God and things went horribly wrong. I can tell you that many people have walked away from their faith at that moment, but those of us who have stayed in the faith, here's what often, not always, but often happens. We think we hear the voice of God, we think we see the circumstances, we think everything's going the way, and then it just goes completely unraveled, and here's what happens to a lot of us. We start turning to the scriptures, and we start studying in a didactic study method, and we get down into, and by the way, again, don't get me wrong, it's not saying, I'm not saying at all we shouldn't study the word and we shouldn't look at the details, but some of us get into the bits and pieces and the knowledge and the insights and, and all the little details about God in the scriptures, and we stop actually letting the scriptures speak to us. Oh, oh, yes, we do hear, you know, that we should do this or shouldn't do that, but the scripture or the Bible becomes something that's legalistic. It's something that's just complete head knowledge. And when I study and read scripture, the scripture is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. The scripture is the voice of God. It is not a deity in and of itself. It is God himself speaking to you. So in your word study that you might do in the scriptures... You need to ask, what are you saying, God? What are you saying to me? When I was in Bible college, it was way back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth in 1980. And uh, we had a speaker called Charles Shepson. Has anybody ever heard of Charles Shepson? Oh, 
just three or four. Well, he was a famous alliance guy. Uh, he's still alive, actually. I just checked that out recently. Uh, but Charles Shepson came and spoke, and he had pastored some of our biggest churches in Canada, 10th Avenue Alliance in uh, Vancouver and a few other churches. Uh, so he was kind of famous in and of his own right. He came and spoke to us at our spiritual emphasis week, and yes, just like the word sounds, we took all week off classes, we heard the speaker, and during that week, Charles talked about how we could hear God. I remember him telling the story of his calling to 10th Avenue Alliance. He had some scripture verses that, by the way, he pointed out, this one's out of context. This is not specifically to me, but it was to Israel. But I took it that God, it just jumped out, slapped me in the face, and I knew I had to go to 10th. And he talked about other tests and things that he did. And when he was at 10th Avenue, he knew he needed to help them build a new building. That was his calling. About two years in, God redirected him. And he talked about how other scripture then began to talk to him, some that were talked to David about building the temple and he wouldn't be the one to build the temple, but somebody would come after. And he began to realize that that wasn't gonna be his complete journey. And he went down to Tennessee and started another ministry. I remember the exercises that we had to do is we were supposed to take our Bibles, we were supposed to go out for a walk or into a lonely place, and we were supposed to hear the voice of God. So that was my early journey. So I began to do it. When I was first a pastor, oh my goodness, when I was preparing a sermon, I didn't have a little bit of a clue hardly what I was doing. And what should take about mm, 10 or 15 hours was taking me 30, 40 hours to prepare a sermon. I hadn't learned the scale of economy, how to shortcut, how to do this or that or everything else or look up this tool or that tool. But I listened to God like nobody's business. And I shared with you a few weeks ago, over the years, I began to be very, well, at least in my mind, accomplished in preparing sermons. You know, my transitional sentences and my, my pithy conclusion and, oh man, I was getting good at all that stuff. And so I honestly stopped hearing God like I should have. Oh, I was preaching the truth of the word. I was proclaiming what God wanted to say and, and the word needs to be our foundation. But I had stopped. And then when I went to church renewal a year and a half ago, God tapped me on the shoulder and he did it through my wife, by the way. And what happened was, when I was first married to my wife, she always heard from God in the scriptures, just like Charles Shepson. It kind of drew me to her. Then I went to Bible college and I learned theology and word studies and Greek. I took three years of Greek and I took a little bit of Hebrew and oh man, I became so good at what the word really says and doesn't say. And So my wife and I would be in devotions. And I'd say, what does this passage mean to you? And she would have a very personal application. Guess what I was doing? Well, in the Greek, in the historical context, you know, I had started to become a little bit full of myself. That put a wedge in our marriage that lasted until a year and a half ago. In fact, we struggled having any Bible conversation, any theology conversation. In fact, it kind of reinforced to my wife that people that are obsessed with doctrine and theology are, are just not godly at all. That was her opinion. And I'd be going, oh, you're wrong. We need theology and doctrine. And I'll still say we do. But I began to realize a year and a half ago that I shut my wife down. 
And I began to understand as I went through some hearing God training that I was no longer reading the scriptures to have God speak to me. In fact, I had become a functioning cessationist. If God gave me a vision, I probably honestly would have ignored it. If God spoke soft words to me, now I've told you that when I was in trouble, when I was struggling, I often would hear God with such clarity, it was amazing, and I'd go, why is it that I'm like that? And I will argue with you, it was my theology, my thinking, my doctrine, and again, I am not telling you not to read the scriptures and study them and get into the details of it, but friends, when we replace hearing God with doctrine and theology, which is important because God's in that stuff. But when we stop hearing God, we don't get this act stuff. We don't get the unity in the church. We, we have opinions about whether the temperature's too hot or too cold or whether the lighting's too bright or whether the screens are too big and too expensive. We get caught up in the crazy little inertia and details and opinions. Instead of abandoning our faith, we move our faith when we have some things go wrong. We move our faith and hearing God into facts and religion. And the Bible becomes a fact and a truth deposit, and we only look for known facts, and we never let the Bible actually speak to us. And we start to have a Christianity that seldom does anything faith-led at all. In essence, we are less God-led, even though we're studying the Bible so much. We become a shell of who we used to be, and in my case, your preaching gets a little dry. I want to remind you that God's primary way of speaking is the Bible, yet we spend more time marveling at the depth and width and detail of the Bible, and we seldom actually let it speak to our souls. Let me clarify something. In the past, especially, and even currently, if you hear God and it isn't really the voice, things go bad, it doesn't work out the way that you think it should, and this is oversimplifying it, but the second point kind of doesn't. The first point is if you don't at some point say, that wasn't the voice of God. I don't know what I was doing. And you have this proclivity to abandon your faith or to just get into the known truth and doctrines of the Bible. One of two things has happened to you when you think you hear God and everything goes wrong. Number one, you misheard God. And again, I don't claim to have 100% success in hearing the voice of God. So sometimes I mishear him. Or, number two, it is possible that God wanted you to experience what just happened. The most misheard thing that haunted me for years was when I went from being a pastor and I went to work for Freedom in Christ Ministries in Regina. Now, I actually... Long story, had a little bit of an insurance settlement from the plane crash I was in, so we had a little bit of money, and I basically felt I heard God saying, go do this ministry and help build a retreat center for pastors. I, th I think I worked there for six months. 
And initially, I would have told you that I felt I had no choice but to resign, but it took God a while, but eventually he said, no, you were the one that actually walked away from that ministry. And for years, I'd be, you know, so I, I kind of stopped wanting to hear God, like Charles Shepson taught me, and, and I stopped reading the scriptures to directly speak to me, even out of context, and, and I started being super careful, except for when I was in trouble and stressed. And as I would go on my knees and every once in a while it would come up to me six months. In fact, I ate up all the savings I had in that six months. Oh, I was a little bit bitter even. And one day I was crying out to God, why? How did I go wrong? What did I miss here? And God broke through my arrogant pride and he said to me, Anthony, what if, what if I wanted you to go through that? What if it was a little bit of iron sharpening iron and, and, and purifying some things in your soul and, and causing you to get your heart right and, and to get some good experience? Or what if I only wanted you and needed you there for six months because in my mind I was gonna be there for the rest of my life running a retreat center for pastors? And I don't know about you, but I responded to God and I said, what if? You're right. That released me so much from that guilt and that, that burden. And, and I began to hear him a little bit better, but it wasn't until a year and a half ago and through the healing of my wife that I have been studying the book of Acts. You know, I would always read the book of Acts before and go, hmm. I wonder how they figured that out. How did the Holy Spirit redirect them? How did the Spirit of Jesus talk to them? What in the world is going on here? And I want to challenge you in three weeks from now, we're going to start the Hearing God series. I want to challenge you, this in 30 minutes on a Sunday, I can't even begin to unwrap all this. But I can tell you, as we start on the Sunday mornings, and if you can get into a life group or into the Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to come along, and I want us to have this, this unity of the faith and, and people doing a, just outrageous stuff for the kingdom. Well, there's a couple of people in this church that for the last few years have driven me crazy because they've done some pretty outlandish stuff. I don't mean to pick on somebody, but heading off to England to drag across through the streets... When he came into my office, I said, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's good, and then he left. I went, is he crazy? What is he thinking? He's just gonna be a failure. I mean, I came up, the, and then when he came back and told the stories of what had happened, I went, huh. You know, all the money worked out, all the stuff worked out, and we don't know till the end of heaven and earth what impact he had, but man, he had an impact. I love these, and, and Dan is no longer a new Christian. He's been around in the faith for 10 or 12 years. But I love the audacious nature of brand new Christians until they have a few things go wrong when they think they hear God. And then they turn into this dried up piece of toast. And most of what we do is just for us. Well, I would like that new car. It makes sense. It works out on paper. And the doctrine and, doctrine and theology and scripture says it's okay. So, well, I'm going to buy the new car. Why not get on your knees and say, God? I mean, how could we be redirected? How could the spirit of Jesus, how could the Holy Spirit stop us? How could we move in a different direction? How could our opinion about the temperature in this room change unless we start hearing the voice of God?
So in conclusion, three questions. When was the last time you heard God say no to you? And I could add, when was the last time God said yes? I remember Pastor Ray from the church in southern Manitoba, one week when I was talking to him, he said, just this week, a businessman came up to me and said that a month ago God had said no to some business venture. And so he pulled out, and then a month later he found out that it was the best decision he'd ever made. And he, he could have went, oh, I'm so smart, but he said it was a Holy Spirit. Number two, has God ever redirected you? Oh, doctrine in theology, yes, I found out I shouldn't sin in this way and I stopped doing that. Yeah, good. But is your life like the early church? Number three, and here comes the big one. What is your God vision? Oh, I know Paul had a vision from a man from Macedonia, but I can tell you that became a vision for the next few years for him. And let me ask you, like Michael had asked, do you hear God? How do you hear God? What is your vision from God? Oh, my vision is to make lots of money. And if I push you, you go, well, for God, of course. So do you hear from God? Or are you a piece of dry toast? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I love your word. I love how your word speaks. I love the doctrine and theology we get out of your word. But far be it from me and from all of us when we stop letting the word actually speak your words, your loving words, your caring words, your convicting words to us. Charles Shepson, many years ago, taught me some good, good lessons of hearing your voice. But oh God, how I moved away from that because I got so full of knowledge, wisdom, stuff in my own eyes that was great. Oh, I could tell you what temperature a room should be. And God, you have been redirecting my path in the last few years, starting with the Holy Spirit weekends and soul care. And my heart is being changed. My life is being transformed. And there's a thousand and one stories that I could probably tell, but God... I want to pray for each person here today that they would have their own story. And many of them do of how you, God, led them in an audacious, crazy, faith-building direction and it went beautifully. And all of us probably have a story of a time we thought we heard from the word, we thought we heard from you, God, and it became a disaster. It cost us our job, it cost us our money, it cost us our savings, cost us our reputations, and we have shut down on the inside. Oh, God, forgive us. May we become part of a movement of churches that hear the voice of God, that see visions, that dream dreams, that have the scriptures coming out and slapping us in the face and direction, having our trusted friends and companions speaking truth into us or challenging us. 
seeing the circumstances for what they are and sometimes we have to pray through them because your voice speaks to us. God, help us to know when we should go into Peace River, Edmonton, Manitoba, the United States, around the world. Help us, God, to know your direction. Help us to know if we should share the gospel with the person seated on the plane beside us. Speak to us and say yes or no. We love you. We want to hear your voice. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.